Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. I'm sick of it! Every year! We give power to one person! This Ben Jarofsky show, Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time at the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It is Thursday, March 4th, 2021. That lunatic that you heard at the top uh, was former state rep Michael Bost, now a congressman, a Republican. Okay, he's outraged at Michael Joseph Madigan's power. That's like 10 years old or whatever. Six. Hey, most. where's the outrage over Donnie Trump? Okay, I believe that you uh, are a big fan of liberty when I see you take a stand against autocratic Republicans. All right, well, we're not going to discuss most. Uh, I'd like show, to. Uh, at this show, uh, <laughs> it is a... Uh, <laughs> uh, I have two distinguished guests who are uh, really straining at the leash uh, to, uh, to talk. So I'll just I'll read today's headlines. Uh, a headline from today's uh, Sun-Times uh, for one to uh, show uh, folks what was going on in the world. If they're listening to this podcast 10 years from now and also as an introduction to our first topic. So here's a headline in today's Sun-Times, March 4th, 2021. Illinois Dems choose Kelly to lead party. Illinois Dems choose Kelly, as in Robin Kelly, as in uh, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, the second congressional district, uh, defeating Michelle Harris, older woman Michelle Harris, to become chairman or chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. All right, bonus time. I ask my uh, distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So we'll start with distinguished guest whose first initial is D, as in David. Introduce (laughs) yourself, young man. Go ahead. Uh, always a pleasure, Dan Pogoszelski, uh, Vice President of Chicago's 38th Ward Democrats, who are going to have an event with Speaker Welch, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> always promoting, I see. Always promoting, that's good, that's good. We can all learn from young Daniel. And of course, uh, distinguished <laughs> guest whose initial begins with Jay, who's been on the show last Friday, as a matter of fact. He made a cameo appearance uh, to welcome, uh, say happy birthday to the show on his second a uh, year birthday 
Uh, introduce yourself. Jacob Kaplan, uh, executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party. Not the state party, the county party, but I'm sure we'll be talking about the state party today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a very important distinction. Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed. And we'll start with you, Jacob, with this one. I've talked about, I told you already uh, my feelings on this and get your thoughts. Uh, I don't have a vote uh, as to who the Illinois chair is in the Democratic Party. I am not a state uh, central committeeman, so I don't have a vote. Um, and, uh, I didn't really have a, a, a favorite candidate. I don't consider Robin, uh, Kelly or Michelle Harris to be like a lefty. Like I am They're They're good Democrats, but they're not part of the lefty wings. So to me, it was like, I didn't have a, uh, a favorite candidate race. That said, I felt that if the Democratic Party wants to build its base in areas where it's exceedingly unpopular, it was a stretch to argue that the best choice would be a Chicago alderwoman because Chicago is not that popular downstate. That is for sure. And aldermen and alderwomen are sort of, what, symbols of things that people outside of Chicago don't like about Chicago politics. Your thoughts on this subject, Jacob Kaplan, and then we'll go to Dan. Go ahead. Well, I mean, let's let's uh, look at it. It was a historic uh, race for the party chairmanship. I mean, you have two African-American women uh, as the front runners and, and the uh, the two candidates for the position. So that was historic. Uh, so, you know, very happy that Congresswoman Kelly is going to be the new chair of the party and leading it uh, down the road. I mean, to be fair, her district also includes a lot of the city of Chicago. So whether it was going to be Robin Kelly or Alderman Harris, it was going to be somebody from the northeastern part of Illinois. Um, but I do think I, I think, you know, both of them have had platforms that uh, they see the need to, uh, you know, to do a lot of work downstate and uh, make the party appeal more to downstate Democrats, as well as, of course, Democrats here in Cook and the Collar counties. But I mean, if you look at the. Uh, election results over the past 10 or 15 years, we have just lost so many of those downstate Dems. And it's something that uh, I don't you know, think has been focused on enough uh, by the state party. So my hope is that Congresswoman Kelly will be focusing on that as well as everything else uh, as she takes the reins. Daniel? Uh, yeah, I'd like to highlight and also bring up, uh, I, uh, I'd be good to mention Christina Castro, who was the state senator from uh, in the western suburbs, and you had where this race was three women of color, which is historic. On top of this, let's not forget, Michael J. Madigan was replaced by also uh, a, who the current state representative is a woman of color. And so you have where this is very, very significant in that the old boys club where diversity in the Cook County Democratic Party was having an Irishman from the Northwest and the South Sides, uh, I think that we can now say it's over. It's the end of an era. And so I think we should really take a look at that and see how it's affected policy when you're talking about in the Illinois State Legislature as well uh, locally where African-Americans who for a long time, uh, even as members of the Democratic Party, uh, did not get their fair share. We're at a moment when the uh, you have where the, for example, in Maywood, you have where County Clerk Carrie Yarbrough, she is the Cook County Clerk, and the Speaker of the House is Chris Welch. This is a very 
important moment when you're looking at where we're at in the party. Uh, Jacob, uh, following up on what Dan uh, was saying, were you surprised by uh, the way it went down? Uh, Michelle Harris had the lead among committed committee men and committee women uh, coming into the vote. And then it was the uncommitted uh, who went uh, to Robin Kelly and um, enabled her to be victorious. Were you surprised by that turn at the end? Did you see it coming? Uh, I was surprised by how close the race ended up being, uh, you know, it's and, and the fact that you had so many important uh, politicos on both sides. You know, you had the governor and Senator Tammy Duckworth supporting uh, Alderman Harris. And then you had uh, Senator Durbin and a lot of other people supporting uh, Congresswoman Kelly. So I thought that divide was interesting. And, you know, right up to the last minute, people were asking me, who do you think is going to win this? I couldn't tell them. I said, I, I don't know. I think we're going to find out tonight. So my hope is just that both factions that supported those candidates come together and we move forward as a united party going uh, into 2022, which is where we need to be. By the way, I was one of the people that said, and now it just came back to me. I had a conversation, Dan, with Jacob. I think it was yesterday. I forget why I called him, but uh, I called him. I go, let's get a prediction. And I go, I I predict Kelly will, you said, I have no idea who's going to win. It's too close to call. And you pushed me, and I said Harris, but I yeah. I, said, I really don't know. Yeah, no, I said yeah. Kelly, so you said, I just to make an argument, yeah. I will take Harris. That was the yeah. only reason you predicted Harris. Uh, well, it's been uh, – I get both of your thoughts on this. Uh, as uh, Jacob pointed out, Dan, uh, the um, – the powerhouses, the statewide powerhouses in the uh, Democratic Party uh, were split. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, the governor, J.B. Pritzker and Senator Tammy Duckworth supported Michelle Harris and Richard Durbin uh, supported um, Robin Kelly. Uh, immediately after the election was done and Robin Kelly was elected, the Republican Party uh, sent out press releases sort of mockingly uh, offering their sympathy to J.B. Pritzker for having a lost another election, okay? Obviously, they couldn't <laughs> care less about J.B. Pritzker and they're being wise guys. Uh, do you, young Daniel, think that this is a setback for J.B. Pritzker uh, or do you think uh, it's just a sign of how small D Democratic the big D Democrats are? Go ahead. I think... In terms of a narrative, you have where this has been momentum of Pritzker getting involved with regards to his political operation um, in ways that did not benefit him in terms of, of winning. And so I think that the governor really ought to zero in on trying to change that narrative because this is going to be problematic as he has an election around the corner. I think there's a lot of dissatisfaction that you've seen. It's been a difficult situation with COVID and there's a lot of people that have been unhappy with him. And this goes back to other issues, which there are people who are not um, satisfied with the performance of the governor when you're talking about the fair tax and many other things. And so I think that this is definitely a clear-in call that the governor needs to shape up. So I would say, for one thing, it's really rich that the Republican Party that knows a lot about you uh, losing is uh, commenting <laughs> in this way. So uh, it's really something coming from them. Uh, and here's the thing. At the bottom line, a, a party race like this is inside baseball. You and I and Dan and I 
we we talk about this stuff like you know the, the most important thing in the world the average voter is not paying any attention to this so uh but i do think that the governor needs some wins now and uh you know coming into 2022 it's going to be a tough race this is a midterm election there is no president on the ballot so you know as, as much as Illinois has trended more democratic as a whole it's not anything we could take for granted uh so got a lot of work to do yeah, you've yeah. said that uh, several times on the show. Both of you yeah. uh, have said that you've been making that pitch, uh, Dan and Jacob, for the last several months coming on the show. Go, wake up, Dems. Yeah. 2022 is no guarantee. Correct. Don't fall asleep. You guys have been uh, saying that. Before we leave this uh, uh, completely and move to another uh, state race that I would love to talk about, before we leave, I apologize, that would be the Secretary of State race. Um let me ask you this, Jacob, you're a, a young scholar uh, of law, and so I'm going to make you our legal expert uh, for this one. And then uh, I haven't passed thoughts. the bar yet, uh, Ben. So. <laughs> you haven't passed the bar yet. Uh, no, but you, um, whatever. Everybody's got an opinion. You got uh, like two years of classes. So you have more of a legal scholar than Dan or myself. Uh, all right. John Cullerton, uh, former state senator, John Cullerton, former president of the Senate, is still a state central committeeman, uh, was supporting Michelle Harris, raised issues based on a, uh, a memo that some lawyer wrote up saying that it would be, disadva- it would be a, a disadvantage to the Democrats to have Robin Kelly in as a chair of the party because she would not be able to raise money because she's a congresswoman, federal official. She would not be able to raise money or uh, allocate uh, the expenditure of money. Um, what's your thoughts about uh, that concern that was raised by John Cullerton? Uh, so I read the, the memos, the memos on both sides because Congresswoman Kelly had, a, had her counsel produce a memo too. And I think both of them kind of agree that there is an issue here when you have a federal office holder that's chair of a state party in terms of how they spend and raise state funds. So, uh, you know, Congresswoman Kelly has been clear that she's going to create guardrails and and there's going to be a new, you know, pr- procedure in, in place for the party. Uh, so, I, I mean, she's going to have to do that. I think there's, there's no doubt that uh, it's going to create some challenges right off the bat, but I'm sure she has a great legal team and she'll figure out how to uh, deal with it. As she said, there are other state parties that have federal office holders uh, as chairs. So it's not like this is an unprecedented situation, but it'll create some challenges. But I, I just think of those challenges in the context of, you know, there's a lot of party rebuilding that has to happen anyways uh, to create a new state party. So this will just be one other component of that uh, as, as she takes the reins. Dan. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> not to change the question, but to change the, to change my answer. Um, uh, one of the things that I actually wanted to just to highlight is the fact that we need to have, uh, when you're talking about, uh, governor Pritzker, just to get back to that, to reconnect with local party leaders. Cause it's one of the failings that I've seen. Uh, with regards to the governor's outreach, when you're talking about coming out to events, when you're talking about local office holders, um, it, it, from what I've seen, uh, the governor needs to shape up quite a bit when it comes to that. And without getting the grassroots activated, any Democrat is running a race at their own peril. And so just wanted to take that opportunity to really get that message because it's something that I've seen the, the governor's folks, unfortunately, um, really lacking on, and we can't have that in 2022. 
No, you've been very strong in this one, Dan. You were talking about this in Fairtax. When oh, we yeah. had our Fairtax discussion uh, several months ago. You, oh, were, yeah. you were pounding this drum back then. Yeah, and, and, and it's saying that you have to have it. We have, Illinois is a very diverse state. We need to have that message in Spanish. We need to have that message in Polish. We need to have that message in the myriad languages, the many languages, Chinese, uh, uh, Hindi and Urdu, uh, and uh, Arabic go down the line. We're a diverse state. And if we don't do that, we're not communicating with Illinoisans. And that's a problem. All right. Uh, let's move on to the secretary of state race. Uh, if a lots of candidates is a sign that a party is strong, then the democratic party is very strong. Uh, Jesse White, of course, is stepping down. He was, I would say unbeatable, uh, in this position, he probably would be elected secretary of state for the next 50 years uh, if he uh, wanted to uh, run for reelection and if he lived that long. But he decided a time was up and uh, he was moving on. Uh, Jacob, why don't you just run through some of the different candidates who have already thrown uh, their hat in the ring uh, to uh, replace Jesse White? Sure. So, uh, first of all, of course, you've got uh, former uh, state treasurer uh, Alexei Janoulias, uh and U.S. Senate candidate uh, who's in, in the race. You've got uh, Anna Valencia, our city clerk here in Chicago. Uh, you've got uh, you've got State Senator Mike Hastings from the South Suburbs, and then you've also got, even though she hasn't officially announced yet, but she's exploring it, Alderwoman Pat Dowell from the Third Ward. Uh, so those are kind of the four main candidates at this point, but it is still early. This is an open seat, uh, so and it hasn't been open for years. It's the only, uh, likely the only open seat for any uh, statewide office this time around. So I think you're going to see a very interesting race uh, for Secretary of State, and who knows who else may jump into it in the in the coming months. Why is this office so important? Well, it's important as it is in other states around the country. For one thing, that Secretary of State's office uh, has to deal. Well, it doesn't have directly to deal with uh, voting because we do have a separate state board of elections. But still, uh, you know, there are some elements of the Secretary of State's office that deal with the voting process. It's also, of course, the office that deals with driver's licenses and permitting and business licenses. And so it's it's a very important office for for clerical reasons, a record keeper. And it's also, even though Jesse didn't take advantage of this in the past, Secretary of State's offices are very prominent. So they've been seen in the stepping stone to governor. So uh, whoever runs for this office and wins, presumably will be looked at as somebody who may step on to governor or senator or some other high profile statewide office. It's also an office that, you know, your name is on everyone's driver's license, everyone's license plate uh, application. So you get your name out there far and wide across the state when you're uh, the Secretary of State here. And before uh, he answers this question, I'm going to give a trivia question to, uh, to <laughs> young Dan Pogoshelsky. Uh This is before your time, but let's see how well you know your Secretary of State. What Secretary of State of Illinois uh, used it as a launching pad to become Senator Dan Pogoshelsky Go. Oh man, I'm. Uh, I apologize that I'm that I'm oh, blanking right now. Was, uh... Uh, have you been? availing uh, yourself of all that legal uh cannabis that's in the state now you should know this answer i know i know um you know the funny thing is i was still fixated on the michael boss segment that you played earlier <laughs> i don't know i don't know if you're we'll familiar with this but michael yeah. boss that segment was actually on like uh last night to, uh last week tonight with john oliver uh, in the segment that he created it was 
amazing. I actually used to use it for interns uh, when I worked for uh, Senator Martwick's office um, for the reason that it's talking about the importance of state legislators and how a lot of folks totally blank out when it comes to their local legislature, even though state legislature, even though it has a much bigger impact and having someone like John Oliver say that message was, was pretty big. And it's one of the highlights of that segment. All right. Well, that's Michael a, Bost. Uh, that is a very uh, useful information. And it's also a very <laughs> successful way of ducking and dodging the question. Yeah. Do you know the answer to the question? I believe it would be, is it, Alan Dixon? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Alan Powell. Oh, Alan yeah. Dixon. Yeah. Can, All right, I, we'll can give I share it. a story about Alan Dixon? Wait, Todd, before you do that, we'll give you a chance. Okay. We'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Oh, man. Okay. Alan Dixon. Yes. Very good, Jacob Kaplan. This is all before uh, Jacob was born. Alan Dixon uh, used that office to uh, elevate himself to prominence and became Senate. Who defeated Alan Dixon and knocked him out of the state Senate? U.S. Senate. U.S. Senate. U.S. Senate. My bad. U.S. Yeah. Senate. Do you know? Uh-oh. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yes, yes. What is it? Paul Simon? No! You Jacob, take it away. Yes! Ding, ding! <laughs> Daddy! Come on! You gotta yeah, eat that spinach! I, yeah, I know. I, I can't. I, I, man, I feel so bad. But what I can't... Oh, here's, I actually had the chance to talk to... Um, to... Uh, to uh, Paul Dix... Uh, to uh, Alan Dixon's son... And he had actually mentioned that his father, for all of the positions that he ever had, the most fun he had of the different levels of government that he was in, it was in the it was in the state senate, not the U.S. Senate. Is that right? I, yep, I didn't even know was, he was a state senator. I probably yeah. should know that, but uh, no, he, the most fun he ever had. He lost to Kara Mosley Braun, and uh, I'll just use my uh, advantage of age uh, to uh, reminisce because there is some. Uh, it is a. It, as a result of the fallout over the Clarence Thomas, uh, Anita Hill debacle, where Clarence Thomas was um, facing Senate confirmation to be George W. Bush's, excuse me, uh, Daddy Bush, not George W. Bush, uh, his uh, Supreme Court uh, justice. And Anita Hill came forth with her allegations of sexual harassment. And Dixon voted. Jacob, I I mean, I, I don't want to relitigate old things, but I will never understand why he voted uh, to confirm. And, you know, there was a backlash. You, yeah. I don't even know if you were following back then in 19. No, but it was a huge deal. I mean, U.S. senators almost never lose primaries. This was a I mean, to beat him in the primary was massive. And for an African-American woman, that was that was a huge deal in 92. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was a, a huge deal indeed. So, yeah, so this is an important state. Uh, I mean, this is an important position, both in terms of prominence, profile, and uh, uh, just potential other offices. Uh, Jacob, do you think uh, see any front runners in this, or is it wide open? I would say it's wide open at this point. I mean, certainly if you're looking at money, uh, Lexi Janulius has the advantage of a lot of money, so he comes in with that. But, you know, you've got uh, uh, Mike Hastings, who has a base in the south suburbs, and you know, support among some of his colleagues, perhaps. You've got, you know, two women of color in Anna Valencia and uh, Pat Dowell. So I think at this point it's wide open. Who knows what's going to happen? It's just way too early to say. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if other candidates uh, jump in this race too. Uh, Dan, what, how do you see it? Is there a front runner yet? Is there a front runner? Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, you certainly have where Alexi Genulis has raised a lot of money 
and he's he's putting a lot of effort into it. But as Jacob said, you know, two weeks is a long time when you're talking about a race. We're talking about a race where the signatures haven't even begun being collected. Who will actually get the signatures? Who will actually be on the ballot? We have no idea. Yeah. At this point, it's really early in that race. Well, one thing I will say before we move on, and I've uh, taken a deep dive, taken a look at statewide totals for Democrats. Jesse White was still getting votes in Trump areas the last oh, yes. time he ran. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. We're going to give a shout out uh, to him for this. His ability to get Republicans or get Democrats who flip flop, you know, I guess they're called independents, <laughs> to get them to vote for him from red districts. I find remarkable in this day and age. We're going to talk about the divisions in our country in a little bit. We're going to get into that. Uh, but, Jacob, I think it. if I were any of these candidates, I would be studying the model that Jesse White uh, has created. I don't know if it, it is applicable to anybody else. You know, uh, maybe it's just so unique to Jesse White, but it truly is amazing. I look at every single one of these campaigns and he's doing he's beating all the other Democrats in these areas. Are there any lessons that you think Democrats can draw from Jesse White's career? I think one thing that Jesse's always made a point of in all his time as secretary of state is just to be everywhere. I mean, he's always at events, ribbon cuttings. You know, he spent years just just traveling the state, being at every spot, every political event, every local, you know, Democratic Party dinner or whatever uh, that he could be at. And I think that gained him a lot of uh, popularity, even in places where Democrats uh, generally don't do so well. So, I mean, you're right. He's one of the he's the most popular Democrat in the state, no doubt about it. And he still gets these votes in downstate counties that have become Trump country. He'll still win even Republicans in those places. And I think it doesn't hurt that he came into an office that was mired in scandal and really cleaned it up. And he's really living off that, uh, you know, the good work that he's done there as well. But I just think his the best lesson of Jesse White is to be everywhere and be a good campaigner. He's been great at that his entire career. Dan, what lessons do you see that could, uh, others can learn from uh, Jesse White? Well, I think, you know, getting back to our conversation about Pritzker, uh, you have where I remember the first time I ever met Jesse White, and he came up to me and he says in Polish, my name is Jesse Biały, uh, which is my name is Jesse White. Um, but, and he would just translate the word white into Polish. Uh, same thing known as Jesus Blanco when he would talk to Latino folks. And so this is the master of creating connection with every local leader. They were important to him when he was with them. That's important. That's the complete converse, unfortunately, of what we've seen um, for all of his other successes from Governor Pritzker. And I think that that is the basis of, of retail politics in making people feel included. You're the leader. Yeah, Dixon was very good at that too. Al, we were talking about Alan Dixon. He was very good yeah. at that as well. And it was a huge stumble, to put it mildly. Here, um, here's an interesting uh, anecdote about Alan Dixon. Uh, I was just going through this. Since Alan Dixon lost, you know, there was that famous Eric Zorn article where he where he talks about how he connects uh, Alan Dixon's loss in the primary in '92 with the election of Barack Obama, which you could definitely see how that led a chain of events, which that happened. Um, he, nobody's held that seat. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Has anybody held that seat for more than two full terms? No. Since no, they haven't. Uh, I could, first. Oh, here we go. Jacob Kaplan first. Yeah. Uh, do every Senate. Alan Dixon lost in 92, Carol Mosley Braun. Now, finish it out. 98, who was victorious? That was Fitzgerald, right? Yeah, Patrick yes. Fitzgerald. Very and then it was, of course, Barack. And then yes. it was uh, and then it was Rowan Burris. <laughs> Very good. Yes, Very and then it was uh, you know, Tam, uh, then it was Mark Kirk. Yes. And then Tammy Duckworth. Yes. I believe I'm gonna go on a limb. I believe uh, that Tammy Duckworth will be victorious. She will hold the seat. I believe that that pattern will end, Dan. I think that Tammy Duckworth will prove to be uh, able to beat that curse. All right. Now let that, some, that some us- folks were had thought that that Tammy Duckworth was going to end up serving in the uh, serving in the uh, in the White House. Uh, so there were folks that thought that that curse would continue, but obviously the Department of Veterans Affairs selected someone else so well thank goodness joe biden you did that because <laughs> it's 50 50 in the senate right now and it would make no sense whatsoever uh to take us a, a very popular senator out and timmy duckworth may have wanted that seat she may be upset with me for saying that but i think it's better for the dems to have tammy duckworth as a senator than have her as be a cabinet member in fact that would have been a move uh you take your you, you take control of your life out of your hands when you do something like that uh again ancient history that no one will remember arthur goldberg uh-huh. was a sitting supreme court justice he let lbj talk him out of giving up his seat on the court uh, to become the UN uh, ambassador, the ambassador of the United Nations. And I, he, I know he regretted that uh, to the end of his life because he said it in many cases, why did I do that? Uh, so you, I think it's better for a politician to, to hold on to what he or she controls and not, uh, you know, give it away. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Jacob, I don't know if I, we didn't, this was not on our pre-show plan, but did you see this? Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Mitch McConnell, Senator, of course, from Kentucky, is uh, positioning with the Republicans in Kentucky to change the rules. Did you see this? So that yeah. the, the Democratic governor will not have the power to appoint. Is that legal? Well, it's, yeah. Okay. It uh, as long as, uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 a temporary appointment, but but the states are up to can, can decide their own procedures uh, along those lines. So it is interesting that uh, Mitch is looking, I guess, for an exit plan now. He I guess he doesn't want to deal with the. Uh, battling former president Trump, uh, next time around, or I don't know, but, uh, it does sound like he's, he's seriously thinking about retiring, but he wants to cement his legacy or whatever it is. (laughs) Well, well, Dan, I think there's a lesson there for all Democrats, all Democrats of the fair map persuasion, all Democrats that feel good. Let's work with the Republicans. Republicans play to win. You know what I'm saying, Dan? They don't yeah. mess around. They cha- Oh, he wants to step down. They're going to change. The- There's a he wouldn't change the rules if there was a Republican senator. But the fair map crowd in Illinois would be like, oh, come on, let's all hold hands and work together. When are Democrats going to learn from Mitch McConnell how to play the game, Dan? Go ahead. Well, I mean, that's that's been one of the issues that we've had on our side is that people don't recognize that Republicans are playing to win. And when you hobble yourself on purpose, you're starting out of the gate at a disadvantage. And there's some very serious things when you're talking about differences in policy that affects lots of people's lives. And the number of Congress people that we're going to have 
is a huge deal. Illinois is likely, we don't know because the census isn't out, to lose not one, but two congressional seats. Mm. That happens. Are we going to see where we're going to lose two congressmen, two Democratic congressmen? That has dramatic repercussions, especially given as tight as we are. And keeping in mind that given that President Biden is in office, Democrats are likely to lose seats in the next election. Will we start out of the gate by losing two Democratic seats, especially when Republican state legislatures are likely to to see how they can gerrymander more Democratic seats out of existence? Not a good idea. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Come on, wake up, Dems in Illinois. That's so naive. All right, uh, let's now, let's talk about the Republicans' problems. We've been discussing the Democratic problems for a while. And uh, Adam Kinzinger, the uh, congressman from the 16th Congressional District, has become a pariah in his own party, uh, Jacob Kaplan, because he's dared to criticize uh, Donald Trump. Beyond that, he voted for the uh, article's impeachment against uh, Donald Trump. And uh, it's doubtful that he, if he chose to run for governor, could win a Republican primary because Trump at the CPAC convention last weekend named him. He was one of the quote unquote traitors. Uh, What's your sense of that developing feud in the Republican party and how can the Democrats exploit it? Jacob Kaplan. Well, I, I, for one thing, it's interesting watching Congressman Kinziger and, and uh, you know, f- for a long time, people were thinking that he was positioning himself to run for statewide office. But he's been pretty adamant recently in the past couple of weeks saying he's not going to do it. He's not running for governor or U.S. Senate or anything like that. And I think you're right. It would be tough for him to get through a primary. I mean, this is he truly I mean, I mean, I may not agree with him on much, but I do agree with him on the fact that uh, Trump is a cancer on democracy and on the. Republican Party. And uh, I give Kinsey credit for going out on a limb and, uh, you know, saying that he's going to stand for what's right. It'll be interesting to see if he survives a primary in his own congressional district and what that looks like, because, um, you know, he's being sanctioned left and right. The Chicago GOP, <laughs> who knew there was one, right, even though <laughs> there is one, uh, sanctioned him even, you know, for 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 his comments uh, condemning uh, President Trump. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's the polling is interesting because, you know, clearly Trump still remains broadly popular in the Republican Party, but it is starting to change a little bit. And he's he's become less so since he left office. It's marginal, but it's still there. You can see it in the poll data. So it still remains to be seen what the future of the party is. I think, you know, we're still living in the after effects of what just happened and the capital insurrection and all that. So I think we'll have a better sense of this uh, as, the, as the year continues. But I'm just happy and there should be honestly there should be more Kinzinger's out there that are criticizing their own party for for what they've been doing. Dad. Uh I think that very telling was the gilded Trump statue at CPAC. You know, it's not made of gold. It's made of cheap materials. And to add insult to injury, it was actually not made in the United States. It was manufactured in the country that Donald Trump took uh, took constant pot shots at Mexico, right? Uh, and <clears throat> that kind of cult of personality, which reminds me of stories that I heard from my dad, you know, of like living under Stalin where they're like, hey, why don't you go pray to Stalin? And that like kids would like, uh, and then soldiers would throw candy to the kids. 
that's the kind of strange fixation that we have in the United States, not the USSR. So um, that is jarring. And kudos to Andy Kinzinger for standing up against it. And I say this as somebody who had supported, you know, Danny Drzowski, um in this past election, right? Who's the champion Democratic committee woman in uh, LaSalle County who, who took him on. I have to have to give him credit to Adam Kinzinger that despite it going against not only his electoral prospects, but when you're talking about um, his own family, it's very good of him to do for American democracy. Yeah, his own family was very critical. Uh, there was a letter written, the family uh, denouncing Adam Kinzinger. They apparently they like Donald Trump more than they like their own cousin or whatever their relative was. Very strange state. The Republican Party has lost its freaking mind. That's all I got to say on that. And speaking of Republicans who've lost their mind, uh, Jacob's dear friend, Bruce Rauner, uh, was in the news. <laughs> I just threw that out there. Yeah. Uh, Jacob yeah. Kaplan oh, worked yes. uh, long and hard to defeat Bruce Rauner in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bruce Rauner, former governor of the state of Illinois. Man, Jacob, just update folks on what uh, the latest Bruce Rauner news is. <laughs> I just, sh- I, I came in, I just shake yeah, my head top, right? at his machinations. He's well, something else. Go ahead. It turns out, uh, you know, Rauner is no longer a resident of Illinois. Thank, thank goodness. And now is now a resident of Florida and he lives in this uh, exclusive uh, community in the Florida Keys. And this was one of the communities that uh, got prioritized for the vaccine in Florida ahead of a whole lot of seniors that uh, should have arguably gotten it way ahead of uh, Bruce Rauner and others. And then after getting uh, this community vaccinated, uh, Rauner decides to make a $250,000 contribution to Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. I'm sure sure there's no connection there uh, at all between those two uh, events, but just can't believe the uh, audacity of it all. It's like, this guy is just the worst. Hey, Jake, you know, this is not like something like this has ever happened before, like trying to get your kid into Chicago public school, right? Yep, and, yep. and giving someone a mysterious $250,000 donation, right? Yeah. Wink, yep. wink. Yeah. And this yeah, guy, Bruce Rotter, uh donated, I think it was 50 grand to uh, Walter Payton High School. And uh, 250K top- to the Chicago public schools. Yeah. Is that, oh, I forgot the 250K. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so... Yeah, he's got a lot of money. He throws it around, but just the ah, the hypocrisy. But it's not that he threw it around. It's that he he gave it as a, a fact, I would argue a legal bribe. You know, take Walter Payton. What what really made that situation so jarring is that his residency was in, I believe, in New Trier District. That's number two when you're talking about the best public schools yeah. in Illinois. He had you residency in both. Two, by the way, I'm sorry. He had a condo, at least one condo downtown Chicago near uh, Millennium Park. He had a family home, I want to say in Winnetka. Uh, I apologize if I got the wrong North Shore suburb, uh, Bruce Rauner, but I'm pretty sure it was Winnetka. So uh, his it depended on where he would claim his residency. And this became an issue, not to bore you guys with this stuff, but because he was claiming a homeowner's exemption in more than one <laughs> locale. And as Jacob, uh, an aspiring young attorney, can tell you, a homeowner's exemption is only for your primary residence. You can't have two primary yeah. residents. Yep. Uh, not only that, but but this is the thing, Ben, 
to, to get back to what make this for me so jarring because folks would try to say, well, look, he gave a donation. So when you're talking about Walter Payton, right? Nutria is an area which does not have a lot of disadvantaged folk. We're talking about the district of, you know, the educational district, Chicago public schools. That means one kid who going to Walter Payton will change the future trajectory of his life did not get in there. And but that is just like horrible. the vaccine, he, you yes. know, so somebody's not going to get it. He's going to die. It's an essential worker or whatever, it, but uh, Ronner doesn't care. Yeah, Ronner, Ronner doesn't care. <laughs> but this is but, why we should care. And and that's just horrible. By the way, uh, Ronner talking about how he's such a big fan of DeSantis, who knows? Let's look. We have a history of politicians leaving Illinois and running for office elsewhere. It's not just Mitt Romney who, who uh, decamped from Massachusetts to Utah. You had where in the last election, a uh, former Illinoisan from Bloomington, Illinois, was appointed in Georgia. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Can you figure out who I'm alluding to? No, I have no idea who you're talking Bloomington about. Bloomington resident who moved down to Georgia and was appointed for the U.S. Senate. Oh, uh, Kelly Leffler. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she uh, actually uh, lived in Chicago. That threw me because she lived in Chicago for a while as well. So uh, very good. Look, he's making up for that stumbling on that. <laughs> he, he thought I forgot that. He yeah. thought I forgot oh, no, the Carol Mosley Brown stumble. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one last shot at Bruce Rodder. Uh, I don't know what, how Bruce Rodder, Mr. Against Pay to Play, uh, can, you know, have any credibility whatsoever. Do as uh, I say, not as I do. That's yeah. Bruce Rodder's maximum. Yeah. By the way, um, you know, speaking of best friends and, and Bruce Rodder, I had a really interesting little story with him where uh, he came out to a social services agency for Punchki Day. Uh, this is when I was working for, for Senator Martwick when he was a state rep. We're out at a social services agency where the fundraiser that the social services agency has is that they sold Punchki for Fat Tuesday, which, you know, just passed us by. This is, he comes out to the social services agency having proposed a budget where the amount of money in his proposed budget for social services agencies, a big fat zero. here, Here he comes out. He's, 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 he is with his proposed budget. He's like, I came out here to purchase Punchki and to support this organization. He got two dozen, right? He spent, he's like, he gave him $80. He's like, keep the change. Yeah. So anyways, there's a moment where he's eating a Punchki <laughs> and someone took a photo of it. And I guess I've seen the photo. I, you could tell I'm giving him a dirty look, right? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And it ends up in capital facts. And then all of a sudden there's memes of like people with like lasers coming out of my eyes, giving Bruce Rauner a dirty look as he's eating a punch key at the social services agency. Classic. Yeah. My BFF, <laughs> Bruce. Uh, by the way, worst governor ever. Yeah. I know Rod Blagojevich <laughs> is in the mix, but worst governor at, at ever Bruce Rauner of the state of Illinois. I'm talking about. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, President Joe Biden is a big listener, huge fan of the Ben Jaroski show, and will be listening to this segment right now. So I'm about to ask you, uh, gentlemen, <laughs> to give some advice uh, to Joe Biden, and he'll be listening and he'll uh, take it. We'll start with Dan and then uh, we'll go to Jacob. What advice would you give uh, President Biden in regards to the fight over raising the minimum wage to federal, nationally to $15 an hour? Dan, take it away. You know, in general, I have to say that with President Biden, he's dotted his I's and crossed his T's with regards to really doing very well, I would say. 
Um, that's, that's a, that's a difficult issue because I'm a hundred percent for raising the minimum wage. But at the same time, when you have folks like Joe Manchin and, uh, others who, who aren't going to budge on this. It's, it's hard for me to see how there's a, how there's a path. Now I would like to see that happen, but I, I don't, I don't see how we can do that unless we win more seats. Jacob, uh, fire the parliamentarian. <laughs> it's, uh, and, and the Republicans did this in 2001 under Trent Lott. It was a footnote. It wasn't, didn't even get any headlines in any newspaper. Nobody cares about the parliamentarian. So the parliamentarian rules against you, just get rid of him or yeah. her and hire somebody else. So, and so that would be my advice. I know it's hardball, but that's what you need to do to win. And also, you know, Biden is, was is a longtime creature of the Senate. So anything he can do to convince his former colleague, Joe Manchin, to uh, get rid of the filibuster and the importance of that for democracy so we can actually pass a voting new voting rights act and all that, I think is paramount. That would be my advice. A- I, I'm with you too. I, I, man, I think Manchin would go along ultimately. I'm more worried about the uh, Senator out of Arizona, but you need, because there's two uh, Democrats that are uh, squishy to put it mildly on, on this particular issue. But if you're going to stand for something, gentlemen, you know, stand for something that's going to literally put money in somebody's pocket that may be that encouraged to vote Democratic. That you know, stand up and fight for something that's going to help uh, yeah, somebody who doesn't get helped a lot. Go ahead, Dan. That's been, that's been one of the Achilles' heels when you're talking about the Democrats is that we've allowed ourselves to get typecast, where for a wide swath of folks, they do not see us as the party that's looking out for the working class, for the average Joe. What's what's with the um, the paring down of the folks that'll be getting relief checks, uh, oh, catering mm-hmm. to that? I think that was that was a horrible cell phone. Uh, but he's looking it's, for it's, Republican it's support that he's not going to get. Well, we Joe, know where that we know where that ends up. Let's just yeah. rewind to two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, two thousand and nine. Correct. What happened in two thousand and nine? Uh, when you have the situation with the stimulus, arguably, if we had a stimulus that was twice as big, would we have gotten the wipeout that was 2010? That's, 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 there's a lot of question marks on whether that would have happened, which would have dramatically altered the trajectory nationwide with state legislators, because the fact that so many state legislators, not just Illinois, all over the country flipped from democratic to Republican meant that our bench of future electeds, you know, the future presidents of the United States, the future senators all got wiped yeah. out. And it's a problem even today. All right. Uh, we'll close with this. Uh, the latest poll, I think it was um, doing off the top of my head, 51% approval rating for Joe Biden down from 54%. So, you know, it's like within the margin. Uh, Jacob, I saw that and I shook my head. I can't think of anything, and I'm being as objective as I can when I do this, removing my dislike for Republicans, but I can't think of anything that Joe Biden has done to warrant going down uh, other than be a Democrat in a very divided country. Uh, your thoughts on 51% approval rating. Go ahead. Hey, he's doing better than uh, than Trump was. In <laughs> so we got I mean, and that's the truth. And actually, Ezra Klein had a great uh, editorial in the New York Times, like it was yesterday, just talking about Biden's... Uh, presidency and how it's kind of the quiet presidency. You know, it's not crazy. He's not going after a lot of people. We're not hearing about him every single day of the week 
And that's probably one of the main reasons why his approval rating is somewhat higher than, than Trump's was. But bottom line is it's a divided country. And I think the best way we can try to edge things in a better direction and towards the Democrats is by passing relief and increases in the minimum wage and all these things that'll be direct benefits to people that they'll remember come election time, but it's a slow process. It's we, and, but Biden's the right person. I still believe for this moment. And and I think for the most part, I don't agree with everything he's been doing, but I think, you know, he's doing a good job uh, under the circumstances. Jay, I, I literally cannot remember when all the conversations we had in 2019 and 2020 leading up to the election was Biden, your candidate all along. I, I just don't remember the answer. I stayed out of it because at the party we, uh, oh. you know, we we had to uh, we didn't endorse anybody in the primary, so I stayed out of it. I mean, personally, I think if I was really had to pick somebody, I might have leaned more towards Elizabeth Warren. But uh, at the end of the day, I was like, whoever Democrat wins, I'm going to be with them. So that's why I can't remember. That's the <laughs> answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, your thoughts on the 51 percent approval rating? Uh, can you do better today? I, that's the question. In today's highly polarized environment, can you pull off more than that? I think that there's a lot of doubts on whether that's possible. Uh, You know, we all love folks like Jesse White, but Jesse White doesn't have to face the scrutiny of of Fox News, One America News Network, or the entire uh, right-wing echo chamber. That is surely going to whittle away any support. And there was no uh, honeymoon. Immediately, as soon as uh, Joe Biden took office, you had the attacks beginning. And that shows, I think. Oh, and something else I just thought about when you were talking about Jesse White, an advantage she has over Joe Biden, even though there's some similarities in how they approach politics. All Jesse White does is give people things. You go past that test, he gives you your driver's license. Everybody walks out of there feeling pretty good. Thank you, Jesse White. Like, he had something to do with it, you know? So, yep. yeah, he, I just thought about that. It's like, not bad position to be. Here, no have a driver's license. It's just, a, yeah, it's not a policy position. So, yeah, it's not you a know, policy. As long as you're running an efficient office, people are happy. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll close. Any updates uh, you want to offer? Dan, you have anything uh, you want to tell people about? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have an event. So uh, both Jacob and I are on the uh, are involved with the 38th Ward Democrats in Chicago. And uh, the new Speaker of the House, Chris Welch, is going to have a Zoom on Tuesday. And so if you go online, it, safely, virtually, come out and uh, check out the event. And let's ask questions of the new Speaker of the House. Go to uh, the 38th Ward Dems Facebook. and register for the event and we'd love to see you there who will be doing the moderating of that uh the moderating of the 38th ward Dems event one such sure. Se- Se- senator martwick committee person martwick <laughs> uh, that'll be pre- I'll, I'll probably i'll check i'll, I'll wait in and watch that and then i'll uh, try to uh convince chris welch to come back on the show he used to come on the show quite frequently uh this is before obviously became speaker and is sort of changed his uh, profile. Uh, Jacob, any updates from you before I let you guys get out the door? I'll just mention something uh, law related actually, but also related to the Cook County Democratic Party. If anybody's interested in learning more about how to run for judge and the party process and how we endorse candidates for judge, we're doing what we call the road to the robe training. It's open to anybody who's interested in running for judge uh, on March 15th. Uh, the afternoon of March 15th from 1 to 5 p.m. We'll have experts in everything from, you know, how to interact with the party, how not to get kicked off the ballot, uh, 
you know, uh, how not to uh, run into trouble when you're running for judge. So if you or anybody you know is a lawyer interested in running, please have them go to cookcountydems.com and sign up for our Road to the Robe event uh, free on March 15th. That reminds me of something, Jacob, and I want to close by asking you this question. I've been meaning to ask you this question. I saw it on Facebook. Uh, when interest was building regarding who uh, the, the race between Michelle Harris uh, and Robin Kelly, folks were started, starting to realize that there was an Illinois Democratic Party as opposed to Michael Madigan. Uh, somebody put on my Facebook wall, how do I join the Illinois Democratic Party? And I, you know, I, I was, I didn't know how to answer it because I don't know if you could even join such a thing. I mean, I've been voting Democrat virtually my whole life and I'm not a member of any party. Well, I probably wouldn't join any party anyway. They would take me. Uh, <laughs> you're going to uh, give like, us that quote? You wouldn't like, yeah, that Groucho Marx. Yeah. But so how does somebody is, 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 so, is there such a thing as joining the party? Go ahead. So I, we get this question a lot as well at the Cook County Democratic Party. And unlike in some states, you know, where you do have to join to vote in a primary or be a member of a party, that's not required in Illinois. So as long as you vote in Democratic primaries, you're considered a Democrat. But certainly if you want to get involved, you know, come to our website, cookcountydems.com, sign up for our email list. Uh, you know, where well, you can consider yourself a member as long as you, uh, you know, get involved in, in the Cook County Democratic Party. But there's no explicit way to join, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, right, one, but- one thing is that I would say when you're talking about joining, we need folks wherever you are, whether you're in Washington County, Cook County, DeKalb, you know what membership means? Membership means picking up a clipboard, trying to get Democrats elected to office. doesn't need to be you. Like there are folks like, oh, well, I'm not going to run for office. Sure. That's great. Not everyone is cut out for running for office, but make some calls because the Republicans have an advantage when it comes to money. We need to take our advantage of people power because when we don't, we lose. And this upcoming election is going to be a tough one for Democrats. Yes, it will. We'll be talking about it uh, many more times to come with the political know-it-alls, Daniel Pogoshelsky and Jacob Kaplan. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Jacob Dan, Ben Jarofsky saying, take care, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.